Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Greetings. Welcome. Episode 22 of the Believe Knicks podcast. Matthew Miranda joined by Stacey Patton on a night when the Knicks lost their last semi-meaningful game of the season, uh, 125-114, at home to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Charlotte has now clinched a play-in spot, which means if the Hawks win one more game this year or the Knicks lose one more game this year, the Knicks will be officially eliminated from the play-in tournament. Sorry, Matt, does that include tonight's game for the Hawks? Or If the Hawks have the Hawks, is their game done? Yeah, they won. They have to win one more. Um, okay. it's, it's still at one. So that's where we are. Um, not really anything more than a formality, um, but... There's the formality. Um, some things worth talking about from the game that I think will expand into part of our later discussions. But um, let's start with you, Stacy. What stood out to you from tonight's effort? Yeah. Um, I mean, I. <laughs> it's tough, you know. Like, I think you hear a lot about people saying the Knicks just lack talent. And on paper, you look at the Hornets, they have at least one player who's better than... I, I, I think LaMelo Ball is better than anyone in the Knicks right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he's better than Randall was last year, but the fact that I even have to ask that means that this year it's no question. Right? You would put him this Next, year ahead of Barrett, right? I would put him this year ahead of Randall. Too. Oh, do you think Barrett has been better than Randall? Either yes, way. I, I would put it. Barrett this year ahead of Randall, but... LaMelo Ball was an all-star this year. Right, it wasn't. Right undeserved and uh, and he's he's also when someone's an all-star at age 20 in their second year Mm -hmm. it usually means that they're capable of way better play they're Mm -hmm. also capable of much worse play right they're gonna be high variance at that all-star level um and he's that good um miles bridges i would argue has been better than randall this year Uh, he's averaging 27 and 4 yes 20 comma 7 and 4 not 27 and 4 for those who might (laughs) Um, you know, not a great three-point shooter, but overall much more efficient. So they have two better players better than anyone else on the Knicks roster. But then you watch the Knicks play, and, like, you see how they can play for long stretches. Um, Like, Mitchell Robinson dominated. Pl- like, you look at some of the possessions they had. Mitchell Robinson just ate Plumley for lunch. There's no way that guy should hang on the court next to him. Mm. Uh, that's, that's what I think that's, that has nothing to do with, I mean, it's just, he's, I, I saw it. There was one play of Plumlee pump, pump faked him at the free throw line, tried to drive by him. Mm-hmm. That's a play that Mitchell Robinson has fallen for in the past. Mm-hmm. And Mitch just stood there, waited for Plumlee to do his little bullshit move and then just smacked the shit out of it. Right. right. And I was like, that's what should happen every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, um, mm-hmm. you know, there were some fluky things. Kelly Oubre went four for seven from three and had 21 points. I don't think the Knicks played poor defense on Kelly Oubre. Um, he had some tough but, threes. He had some Kelly Oubre threes. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of bullshit. You know, he was just feeling it. You know, yep. I, I'm not worried about Ke- like I'm sure that'll convince some Knicks fans that we need to sign him. Right. I'm not in that boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, but I think some of, but the Knicks still had a chance to win it. Mm-hmm. And the reason, a big reason they had a chance to win it was that Emmanuel quickly played the beginning of the fourth. Um, he only played 23 minutes tonight. Uh, he did not have a good first stint, but he came in and he he went one. Emmanuel quickly went one for six from three tonight and still finished with sixteen points and twelve shots. Mm-hmm. That's because he went five for six from two point range. 
he had four assists to zero turnovers. Uh, I saw your article on Alec Burks, and I hate having to do this because I think Alec Burks is like one of the Knicks' better players when he's allowed to play off ball. Yes. Yeah. He is arguably the Knicks' best shooter, and if he's not, he's number two to Evan Fournier. Yeah. Um, he's very versatile. He can get to the free throw line. He's great slashing when he can pump fake, get his guy in the air. He doesn't have to create on his own. He can create on his own in a pinch, but the Knicks have abused that. Um, he's also a good defender when he's defending big wings. And maybe the reason why Tibbs went to him is because LaMelo Ball is shaped like a big wing, but right. the results were certainly that quickly was more effective defending LaMelo Ball than Burks was. Um, because of, like I, I think that, you know, one of Tibbs' shortcomings is he overvalues, at least in guards, size versus speed. Mm-hmm. And you see that. Um, you see that it could be a product of the modern NBA or whatever, but they started Elf last year. Elf was bigger and more switchable than quickly, or Rose, but both of those guys were better at getting through screens. Yeah. Which is which is probably the most important trait for guards right now. Um, and, you know, once quickly went out, that's when the game swung towards the Hornets, and by the time Quickly came back in, it was too late. Uh, I, and I'm not alone in this. You know, Monica McNutt, Alan Hahn, both mentioned this in the post game. Um, I think it's it's a fair question, and that's just one of the rotation decisions. And it all comes back to why did Alec Burks play 41 minutes and have to come back in? Well, Quickly played 12 minutes in a row. Maybe he had to sit. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but if you started him, and I'm not saying you have to bench. Burks, you can bench Fournier, but you play Burks and Fournier together. It kills your foot speed on the perimeter. Um, and then in the fourth, yeah, like Burks was walking the ball up the floor. And that's not, that's because A, Tibbs has him doing it. And B, because like, that's not like, I'm not even saying he's a bad ball handler, but he's a good ball handler in one-on-one yes. near the paint where he can use like one or two moves. But like handling ball pressure, pressure from someone like Davion Mitchell or, you know, some of the quick guards that the, the Hornets threw at him, that's not his forte. Like, why are you having him do that when you have capable guards? And Deuce McBride played nine minutes, and people were like, well, he didn't play well. He was a minus 11. But but he's not getting a chance, right? When some, when some guys play really poorly, they, their minutes aren't changed. And what other guys do, their minutes are. Effective. Like, Obi had 13 minutes tonight. Yep. And Randall played well. And by the way, but- that's Obi coming off of the best five-game stretch of his young career and the five-game stretch where, for the first time ever, he played 20 minutes in, I think, four of the five games. Like, So he's clearly, like, he's gotten more opportunity. He's delivered. And then, and it's not like it's a night where Randall had 30 and 10, but no Obi. Yeah, and, and uh, Randall did bounce back a little bit. A little. Um, but, A, I think RJ was much more effective against the defense. I would have rather gone through him. I'm not I'm not sure who is directing the Knicks to go through Randall in crunch time versus RJ. I don't know if it's him or if it's Tibbs. But I think that today, tonight, is, I'm not saying RJ is better. I'm saying tonight especially, given how shitty the Hornets' perimeter defense is um, versus how, you know, P.J. Washington Bridges are reasonably solid defenders. Yes. That probably was the matchup to attack. They didn't do that. Um and it's extremely frustrating. And, um, and like, no one is saying that these guys need to, like, Fournier played 36 minutes, and he had 30 points, right? So maybe he needed to. Burks played 41 minutes, and he had 12 points on four for, did he really have to play 41 minutes on 12 points on four for 15 shooting? He was Dennis Robin on the glass. Of course he had to. 
it, like, do we like? It's not that Alec Burke should be benched. He could play thirty. That's ten more minutes you could have given to McBride and or quickly. You want to play Fournier today? He was hot. Fine. Uh, Randall played thirty six minutes for a pretty. He had twenty one seven and five. He played. He played well. I won't say that on like on offense. On defense, I didn't think he played well. Um, but did he? Did he have to play thirty six minutes? Um, it's, it's, that's, what's just incredibly frustrating. And it's like, and especially when quickly was like, you want to roll with what's working. You want to roll with the lineups that are working quickly was having a ton of success. And I think the most frustrating thing is that in the second quarter, in the second quarter, I was really looking for the bench to blow the game open and they didn't. And a lot of that is their own fault, but some of it was shit like Mitchell Robinson missing a dunk, uh, you know, like them just, you know, bobbling a pass that they're going to catch nine out of ten times it's like the margin for error for the bench is so small that like if they don't blow the game open not only is it a huge detriment to the knicks winning the game because usually the bench blowing the game open is their only chance of winning mm-hmm. but also it means that tibbs is not going to go back to them you know so just a very frustrating game because i i on paper you can tell me like this is this is what i've gone back and forth debating like how I think about Tibbs, it's like on the one hand, do I think the Charlotte Hornets have better talent than the Knicks? If you look at their top end talent, yeah. But if I look at the two teams play each other, no, I think the Knicks should have won this game. And like that's not that's not me trying to take credit away from the Hornets. That's not me being a whiny sour grapes fan. Like the Knicks should have won the game. But if I'm judging how Tom Thibodeau coached, I think there are things he did that actively gave us a worse chance. I'm not trying to take away anything from the Hornets. I'm mm-hmm. trying to be a loose or loser. But I think I'm like we're trying to figure out what we should do moving forward. And with that in mind, the the Knicks' chances were hurt, I think, by Tom Thibodeau today. Who? What guard besides quickly? Like, how would you have apportioned? Let's say you cut Burks from forty to thirty. McBride did not have like one of the great games of his career. Um, is it a matter of you want to you want to play quickly thirty minutes? Is it a matter of let McBride work through his struggles? Are you a secret? Member of the Ryan Archie, I can, I can never say his name. Archie Archie Diacono. I can, he's the one player in the league I can never get his name right. Are you a? What about the guy in the, Milwaukee that's six eleven and from Greece? Can you say his name? I've never had a problem with Antetokounmpo and Porzingis. I've never had a problem with international players. Really, Ryan Archie Diacono. Like I have to slow my brain down to like. <laughs> school zone speeds to like get through. I've never been able to to spell. I don't know what it is about that guy, but anyway, um, what would you have? Is there a solution to what you saw? Like I'm going to cut Burks by ten. I'm going to play bigger more. I'm going to play Obi maybe in more lineups with Randall. What would you have wanted to see that you didn't see? Yeah, I would have cut Randall's minutes by six. Okay. Played Obi. I would not have cut Mitchell Robinson. Um, I thought Jericho Sims was. This is one of his worst games. He struggled uh, a little. It, it just was what it was. Yeah. Um, he just, um, <clears throat> I think against guards with good floaters, LaMelo really victimized on this. He's still figuring out when to contest and yeah. his timing on those. He'll get it. Uh, but, you know, but that that's not, I, he gave he gave Jericho 11 minutes. That was not too little to get into a rhythm. Uh, I didn't think McBride was that bad. He missed his shots. I don't think he made a lot of mistakes on defense. I actually really liked his defense on LaMelo. Uh, I think either giving him half of the the five minutes you mentioned to, to like he could you could get him five minutes more and quickly five minutes more, mm-hmm. or you could have just given all ten to quickly. Uh, in particular, I don't think quickly needed to come out at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, I think that starting quickly would have, but that, that would have been the way I would have gone. Um, the, the top choice probably would have just been to give to quickly. If you want to make, give McBride a few more minutes too, I would have done that. Uh, but I don't think Alec Burks need to play 41 minutes because you had two good options there. That's the point. Um, yeah. So I want to ask you, Schwinn, Schwinn tweeted about this a little bit after the game, and it, it was, you know, it's not unprecedented, but it's rare. On the post-game show, um, Wally Zerbiak, Monica McNutt, and Alan Hahn were talking, and sometimes late in seasons, MSG seems to allow its employees, and I always feel that it's like still um, – within a, a certain they can talk certain things that they can't normally talk and after this game there was a discussion about you know fournier and the team was in a rhythm but clearly like you're still giving stuff up like the knicks fournier had a great game shooting the knicks didn't lose this game because they couldn't score points the knicks lost this game because they could not stop charlotte yeah, i don't think it was necessarily fournier had to be out but i do think quickly had to be in and i do think over the course, like that's the thing. You you get into these arguments, and it's like, well, who are you taking minutes from? It's like you can balance them better, right? You like, and, and maybe those guys would have been fresher at the end of the fourth. You, but if you say that, you're the minutes police, of course. Right? Yeah. So, so one thing I'm wondering about is we've talked all year about, you know, Thibodeau's issues and Randall's issues and different people's issues, particularly those two, I think. Um, and we'll certainly talk about them both tonight also. But I am curious if um, when when McNutt and Zerbiak and Han were talking, you run up with this Nick team always, I feel like, or often. You end up in this um, this situation where if you're playing, you know, if you're playing Evan Fournier, you are making a choice. Like you are, you are hoping that his shooting is there. And you were giving up defensive speed on the perimeter. Um, to a lesser extent, depending on the lineup, also you do that with Burks. Um, at what point do we, or maybe we've already done it and it just hasn't been talked about, or maybe we don't feel this way as a fan base. But because he's so quiet, I don't think people talk about Leon Rose as much as they would a more involved general manager. And I was thinking tonight, like, the Knicks have a lot of problems this year, and Thibodeau has certainly earned his criticism. But I don't feel like there's an there, I don't feel that this is a team with a clear cut. Here are the five that you want to play down the stretch, and you know you've got your five two way players. Go for it! Like you're always having to make some sort of a sacrifice with this team. And is it fair to say that Leon Rose has escaped the public heat? And Thibodeau has kind of taken that for him because I'm not saying that what Leon Rose did last offseason was like a blatant mistake because, as I said before, I think most people supported it. But based on how it's worked out, people say a lot, like you said, like this is a talent. It's not a, a roster devoid of talent, and it's not. But I also don't think it's very talented because you're, you're playing certain people that you, you you have to give something up to have them in the game. Um, which is normal. I know that's 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 basketball. That's most teams. I, I think maybe specifically what I'm asking is like, <coughs> did Leon Rose fail Tom Thibodeau? Was this a roster that was going to do something with a with a a better coach or an optimum coach? No, I, I think my my take is that I mean, if you look at the East, um, let's look at the standings, right? Mm-hmm. I think the Knicks weren't making 
the non they weren't getting in the top six. Right. Heat, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, Bulls, Raptors. If you want to argue they're better than Raptors, the Cavs are right there. The Nets are not in the top six, right? And the Nets have um, you know, the best players you could find to come to play in New Jersey. Right. So um, you know, it's um the Hawks beat the Knicks last year, still have a more talented roster. They're fighting just for playing. So no, I'm not saying that. I do think they could be a playing team. Um yes. I think that so how much do you care that the Knicks are not a playing team versus you know being the eleventh seed? And I if you say I don't care, that's not good enough. I, I get that. Um, but was this roster like I would ask also like what were the options? Who was available this offseason that would have made that kind of a difference? There's one player I can think of, and I'm not sure how well he fits, but I'm also not gonna hang my hat on that. If you want to say the Knicks should have traded for DeMar DeRozan mm. uh, and could have met that price, I'm not going to blame you. I really am, given how Randall has reacted to even having to adjust to Evan Fournier this year, yeah. uh, I'm s- skeptical of how, how well it would have worked out. But sure, that's a, that's a fair argument. Mm. They didn't get DeMar DeRozan. Other than that, though, like some people are like, well, they, like instead of Fournier, they should have gone Lonzo. A Lonzo got tampered. Lonzo wasn't coming he, here. Lonzo was going to Chicago. They tampered to get him. He was going there, and he's been hurt. Yep. And um, like, would that have changed this team? I don't he know how much. I like him better, but I don't think that like Lonzo Ball would have been the difference between the play in or not. Yeah, and and then other than that, they gave you at the fifty eighth pick. They gave you a guy that's coming and play not tonight, but pretty well. Had a good draft. Had a good draft. Uh, McBride has been a pl- like. If anything, their draft has been responsible for more wins than mm-hmm. you know a lot of the guys Tim's has leaned on. Um, so no, I, I don't. Um, I don't put. I think Rose is still in very much an incomplete grade. It's going to be t- what is his big move, right? Because a lot of their moves are incremental moves to get solid young assets, um, and like. That could mean players like Grimes, Quickly, McBride, or that could mean second-round picks in the future. But a lot of that is just incrementally increasing your asset base, which is there's nothing wrong with that. How he's going to be judged, though, is what he does with that. And I don't know. That, does it turn into Donovan Mitchell? Then he probably gets an A. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> does it turn into something like Danny Ainge where they don't use that stuff and it peters out? That's an F. Um, you know, other outlets are does RJ or quickly become a star? Um, or, or you know, I'm not just Obi could become a star, right? Um, do they somehow swing a trade for Randall where they get like Jeremy Grant or someone who blossoms into a star here? You know, that's uh, that's in the realm of possibility, right? So, mm-hmm. but overall, uh, they're very much at an incomplete. Tibbs is very much at like a B minus C plus overall. Um, where he did a really good job last year, but he has very, very noticeable flaws. So, uh, and as far as this year, I, I really don't subscribe to the people who are like. At first, they were saying, "Well, Fournier might be quote unquote better, but we needed Bullock and Alfred Payton back." I think even people who believe that have fallen off of that take because a the Knicks have moved back into the top ten in defense rating, and b it's very clear Fournier is a much better player than Bullock. Um, yeah, Bullock did not have a great season. Yeah. Um, then there's people, there's still people who are saying, well, quickly wasn't, didn't play well until now. So Tibbs didn't have a real point guard. I would argue that since when Tibbs quickly was on the floor earlier in the year, uh, you know, 
they were playing much better than they did with Kemba, and it wasn't like Kemba was giving you much better shooting than quickly. Um, and and he didn't try McBride until you have no choice, and try Grimes until he had no choice. The the front office, and then the last thing that people will say was, well, he signed all of these players to big contracts. Um, there's pressure to play him. That's one speculation, but B, they also gave him a lot of young guys, including first round picks. Well, I'd imagine they have some interest in, and if he benched or if he gave those guys at least some minutes, it's not even about you have to bench Fournier, you have to bench Burks, you have to bench Randall. Don't play him 40 minutes a game. Don't play him 35 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't willing to do that. And also, don't play your worst defenders. You don't have to play Burks, Kemba, and Fournier together. You can mix it up, right? You can play Fournier with Grimes. You can play Fournier with IQ. You can play Burks with IQ. You are you always play- going to remember this season for Kemba. Fournier slash Burks playing defense together. I feel like it's yeah, burnt. like that's none of them. Even Kemba is manageable. If you like, you could play Kemba next to Grimes and RJ. He wouldn't look as bad. Kemba on draws either. mad charges. He draws charges and like yeah, his defenses are way more exaggerated when you play him with Fournier and also like the next perimeter scheme is switch everything. Yep. And then like so that means that even Burks, who isn't a ter- like he's not a good on ball defender. But even teams that are like, I don't know if we can beat Alec Burks tonight. Oh, wait, let's run a basic screen with Fournier. They're going to switch it. Now I have John Morant going against Fournier. Yep. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. And there's ways to avoid that. And that's not a rip on Fournier. That's not a rip on Burks. That's a rip on like that. But that's where coaching helps, right? It's No team has a roster full of guys who are good at everything. Yeah. But they manage to play lineups to mitigate their weaknesses. And, um, you know, when when your starting lineups throughout the season have been the worst net rating for teams that play that many minutes and your bench lineups have had the best net rating. Mm -hmm. Part of that you could say, of course, is, well, yeah, the Knicks are a unique team and they have 10 guys who are very close together. So their bench is much better than other benches. Their starting lineup isn't that good, but the starting lineup was awful and the bench was elite, right? Like mixing and matching, trading off a little bit, Mm -hmm. There's, it gets tough to believe there was no room for opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were guys that just were unused until – in the favor of injured guys. right? Like Sims, you can tell me, wasn't ready, but he was playing Nerlens Noel, who was completely broken and could barely move. Um, it's hard to believe that Grimes wasn't ready to play until January. Well, he wasn't ready until coincidentally at the same time. It was just a complete coincidence that at the same time Tibbs deemed him ready, they happened to have everyone missing due to COVID. Right? Right. So. <laughs> right. It's kind of a weird extent. It's it's Tibbs is with the with mixing and matching. He reminds me of coaches who won't um, who don't stagger like their best player. They have like two great players and they don't stagger them and can't figure out like why they're losing when they're both off the floor. And he just doesn't like. You know, you saw it the other game. Um, thank God they won. But the Nick game, I'm already forgetting who they beat on Monday. Chicago. When they beat Chicago, um, Toppin had a, a nice game again. And Randall was out the first, I think, nine minutes of the fourth. And it wasn't a game that Randall was having, like, a great game. And it was a close game. It's coming down to the wire. And about three minutes left in the game, Thibodeau sends in Randall. And Randall didn't even look interested in being there. We'll talk about him later. Um, but I really thought, like, if they lose this game, people are going to jump through their TVs to riot at MSG because it would have been such – it would have been like like the the chef's kiss of Thibodeau's season 
would have been losing that game after bringing in Randall for Toppin. You mean this game today? Or no, no, no. Chicago on Monday. Um, yeah, he did bring in Randall for Toppin. Yeah, that's wow. what I'm saying. But like Toppin was playing well. Um, Randall like didn't have an amazing game, but like Tib- like you would never have seen ever Randall being on the floor while the Knicks were playing really well. Randall sitting for nine minutes and then Toppin coming in. You would never see, um, you know, Derek Rose or Burks playing well the first nine minutes of the quarter and then quickly coming in. Like, the, I have felt all season that one of the problems, I might not be seeing this correctly, but it doesn't seem to me like the same rules exist for everybody. And there haven't been any leaks about anything from the team, but I just feel that, like, in any workplace, you know, nobody picks up on double standards quicker than the workers. And there was something all season strange about Tibbs talks about accountability. And, you know, even if a young guy plays well, he still has to earn it and prove he can be there. And Tibbs has this incredibly quick hook for, you know, Grimes and Toppin, but Randall can sleepwalk through 75 games and he's still bringing him in with three minutes left when he's not really doing much. Yeah. I can't get into that. I'm going to give you another. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll. Um, here's like with Tibbs, I get it. It's like, um, and weirdly, for all the t- talk about workers and, you know, the culture being affected, um, the, the kids seem to like Tibbs a lot. Now, part of that might be that if you look at these kids, uh, you know, IQ basically, it seems like, is... I think he likes everybody. IQ plays video games, is religious, (laughs) has, like, a serious girlfriend and his family, and that's it. Yep. Um, I think if I ever saw IQ at a club or something, I would be convinced it was an imposter. (laughs) RJ is basically that. Right, right, right. Grimes, I know less about that, but also... Grimes, I've talked about this a bunch. Grimes came into college as a top-five recruit who was an on-ball supposed to be that guy had to reinvent himself transfer and become like a shooter Mm -hmm. and made that work you can't tell me that happens without having crazy work ethic Mm -hmm. all of these guys you haven't seen any of these guys and by the way we have seen young guys pout before right you haven't seen any of these guys show a poor attitude or anything um so that could be part of it but they do love playing for tips I, i don't think that's deniable at this point so so far it hasn't seemed to have an effect but it's not to notice that there seems to be a double standard you know um, you know, he, when he talks about nine, mis- you could make nine great plays and one bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, who are you talking about? Because it seems like when Obi makes nine great plays and makes one bad one, he goes out. Yep. And when Randall makes one good shot, yep. it excuses nine bad plays. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I haven't watched the game three, four, five, ten thousand times, but, um, I, I, I've watched it. Mul- I've watched most of these clips multiple times. Uh, I think a lot of smarter people than me have. Um, and so that, that excuses where like the only thing that seems to be different about these guys is that they're older and he trusts them more. And maybe, maybe there are lower variants in practice. I don't know. Mm. Um, but you know, it's just um, it's, it's not what's working on the floor right now. So, I mean, how much of that is Randall being a stinker this year, right? Like Randall has just been awful. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the people, I think the biggest argument Tibbs fans, or I don't, and I haven't said I would fire Tibbs. By the way, I am very much on the fence about this. But a lot of people who, who 
want Tibbs to come back or say that he hasn't, he shouldn't be blamed. We'll cite that like it's basically Randall. He was their best player. The front office gave him a big contract. I, I mean, and I don't want to. If he's going through stuff off the court, whatever, all I can judge him on is his play, right? Um, and it has been bad. And how much can you blame Tibbs for that, right? I would say I could blame him, like just because he's playing bad and he's paid well. You don't have to play him thirty-seven minutes. Like you can play him thirty minutes. You can blame twenty-eight. Like th- that's what if you look at guys like Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid, who are significantly better players than Julius Randle. I don't know if that's up for debate. If someone wants to argue with me on that. Feel free to tweet me, but I think I'm pretty comfortable saying Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid are better players than Julius Randle, even last year. Fair to say? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right? And they aren't playing those because they're 250-plus pounds. Um, and he's not that good, and he's 250-plus pounds. Why are you playing? And he plays better when he plays fast. Yes. So I think those things are on Tibbs. Um, but, um, but the last thing I'll say on that note, and I'll throw this back to you, and I know you had another question, and you know you could put that first too. It remind like I was thinking about this like when have I seen a star play like last game against Detroit? That was when not Detroit, um, Chicago, Chicago, right? That was the that was the low point for me with Julius Randle. Um, he just there were multiple possessions on defense where there would be a guy coming down the lane and he just stood flat footed. He did it tonight. Like there was a play when um, I'm sorry, there was a play when. Oh God! Somebody was somebody drove from like top of the key. Maybe it was Rogier. Someone drove all the way down, and like Randall was the last line of defense, and he just turned and watched. And I know yeah. he's hurt, and I wrote about this. If he's hurt, if he's that hurt that he can't rotate two feet, he shouldn't be playing. playing thirty-six minutes. Yeah, he shouldn't be playing. He should be playing at all, let alone thirty-six minutes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he, there were multiple last, and it just it was disheartening to see, and like. And it's everything. It's like the plays last year or even earlier this year where he'd get stopped, but he would immediately know where to go with the ball. This year, there's another added second. He has to look around. Yes. Or he throws up something. Like he's just, he's not feeling it at all. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about when I'd seen a player just seem so out of sync. And I actually thought of Mello like right before Lynn Sanity happened. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, I don't know if you remember, but he was in a bad funk. Um, Maybe not this bad, um, but Stoudemire is healthy. Right. And the Knicks weren't a bad funk, and they didn't have a point guard, and that was getting the scapegoat. But a lot of it was that just Melo couldn't do it. Do it. Yeah. Uh, then Sanity came in. That created the whole thing. The next year, Melo came back and was an MVP caliber player. Um, won the scoring title. Knicks were two seed, all of that. But... Why I think this would be different is two things. One, Melo had a much better like Julius Randle had last season, and then he had the the Pelican season where well, he was a really year. good sixth man, mm-hmm. and then he had a bunch of years as being an a, a, a talented but you know incomplete player, right? Mm-hmm. And now he looks again like that's more like he's a good sixth man off the bench. He's something. He's closer to Montrez Harrell than he is to what he was last year. Hmm. Um. And that was one thing. I mean, the other thing was that um, Mello, Mello was playing for like it became a power struggle between Mello and D'Antoni. Mello won, um, but but D'Antoni was not that front. Like the the front office that hired D'Antoni was Donnie Walsh, and he left. Um, that front office, D'Antoni was not their guy. Thibodeau is their guy. 
so if they have to choose between Randall and Thibodeau, which I think most of us think they will, it doesn't seem like it's going to go Randall's way. The only downside is, you know, can you get positive value for him? But uh, it's a difficult situation. But that's those are the things I would think about. I'll give you two reasons why I think it could go Randall's way. Not necessarily that it should, but two reasons why it would. Um, one is... If you're able to trade Randall now, you're trading him at his low point and you're taking back something somebody else doesn't want, um, or you're certainly having to attach a first or something to get him off the team, I think, um, entering a four-year extension that is not prohibitive, but right now doesn't look like it belongs with the guy who, like you're saying, other than last season or his last year with the Pels, the rest of his career, Randall is not someone who's going to make $30 million a year. So they may be on the hook whether they want to or not, just because why sell him at his low point? I'm sorry, trade him at his low point. And also, um, <laughs> I'm just going to I'm gonna take off my... I think we're very objective on this show, and I don't feel like being fair or objective right now. I'm going to go into my, like, FAN, like, caller mode. I just want to, I just want to complain about World Wide West for a second. Um, there's been some talk that World Wide West maybe was putting the idea in people's ears that like Thibodeau was an issue. I don't think that was ever substantiated. It was a story in the papers for a little bit, which doesn't mean anything. Um, but I will say this, and it's interesting you wrote up the Mellow in 12 and 13, because this reminds me kind of the same track. One reason Mellow was so much better, um, in 2013 was in 12, the Knicks had tried, um, first, I think at first it was Mike Bibby. I think, and then it was Bar- yeah. like Mike Bibby was there, Baron Davis was there. Um, Do not erase my guy, Pablo Prigioni. Pablo Prigioni was also there, but he was good. I'm not, I'm not including Pablo in in this take. Like Bibby and and Davis were both way over the hill. Davis kid uh, came the next year, right? Yeah. Was that kid was the next year? Kid and Felton were the next year, and I think that helped Melo a lot because Melo was a guy who could get you four to five assists a game and probably could have been more unselfish than he was. But Melo wasn't a point forward. Like he wasn't, he didn't want to be that kind of player. So he, that wasn't, that wasn't his thing. Um, I think one of the big surprises of this season is that last year, I think a lot of us felt like, man, the Knicks had this great season getting like nothing from Alfred Payton. Like if they can get any kind of a good point guard, like wow. And I think we thought they had that. They have the names. They have guys who can play that way, but I would say the first certainly half of the season, more than that even, maybe to the All-Star break, like I don't think the guard play was much better this year around Randall. Stop it. That's my dog, everybody. Um, I don't think that Randall was on a better team this year. I think a lot of the struggle falls on him, but I don't feel like you know, if I, I thought Randall this year would end up kind of halfway between last season and his norms. So I thought like he'll shoot like 45% from the field, like league average from three. And that's okay. Like I can work with that. Um, obviously he's cratered from distance and there's other issues that maybe we'll get into. But I think that like, you know, Worldwide West was not brought into the Knicks to sign Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker to like a a good market deal like and I understand you know like you said earlier who was the option I don't know but at some point 
there was all the hype of like, oh my god, they get, and it remind this was always the talk. D'Antoni, Fisdale was going to get the Knicks big time play. He was going to get Durant and Kyrie because people love to talk to David Fisdale. D'Antoni was going to bring in LeBron and somebody else because he coached at the Olympic team and people love that style of play. There's always this mythology about the person who's going to attract someone to New York and in an, in a completely irrational sense, I'm going into this offseason being like, I need World Wide West to justify his hype because other than I think pushing them to draft quickly and maybe saying shit about Tibbs, World Wide West might not as well even exist. Yeah, uh, I think there's a few things. I strongly disagree with the idea that they were not better than last year. Uh, I think Evan Fournier is a really good player um, and is way better than Bullock. You think Fournier (coughs) this season is way better than what Bullock was last season? Yes, yes. Because why? Uh, Because of his shooting? Volume of three-point shooting. Okay. I think Bullock was in volume and versatility. Okay. Uh, Like Bullock could stand still and hit threes. Right. Fournier can get to the rim. He can shoot off movement. Um, I think he also allowed them to, um, you know, you know, to, you know, to, to, he, he would allow them with a real coach to kind of play in, play different lineups and be more versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the other thing is that, so, then at a point guard, if Kemba wasn't the answer, and to Tibbs' credit, I don't know how much of this is on the front office, but it was pretty clear early on Kemba was good. I The one thing when people are like, we needed Alfred Payton, I think that is an insult to Quickly and McBride. I, I think McBride is already better than Alfred Payton ever has been. Um, as a defender, as a shooter. Have people uh, been calling for the return of Alfred Payton? No, but I, my point is like, if you look at the totality of what the Knicks added, Grimes. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. Grimes and McBride, year two of quickly, year three of RJ. They gave them Jericho Sims, even if Noel and Todd were hurt. Right. The only thing you could say maybe is that Mitch was out of shape for the first. The, the mitigating factors is Mitch. There's three things that I would give to, to Tibbs that are, I don't think they built a worse roster. So I'm not blaming the front office for this. One, Rose was hurt, which that is an understandable thing which I don't blame the front office for signing him because you know, there weren't a lot of great options and he was that good for them. But I also don't blame Tibbs because that is just, that's what that happens. Mitch came out to camp out of shape. No excuse. That's hundred percent on him. And the third thing is that Randall turned into a pumpkin. And those are three things I would put neither on the front office or Tibbs. Mm-hmm. But what I say that in terms of guards, I think he had better talent at the guard positions. Um, I'm just not willing to. Like, he had Grimes also, uh, and he just he had many options. He refused to play. As when it comes to World Wide West, I know World Wide West is supposed to be that guy, but I also just think where was that where was that guy coming from? Um, was it getting Sabonis or Halliburton to demand that they only come to the Knicks? Was it uh, was it Getting DeRozan, which if you think that was like that's the thing, DeRozan was really the only star available. Like none of these things have come to fruition in terms. Of, did you want him to trade for Westbrook? I don't think any of us wanted that. Oh God, no. Um, and then if you look at that, Leon Rose has not hitched his wagon to getting stars. In the meantime, 
it's not satisfying, but he has made incremental moves mm. that boost the overall value of this roster. And that's all. I really don't think he could have done much more. And I think in the meantime, he gave Thibodeau a good enough roster, even with the injuries, to compete for the play-in. That's the best I could ask him to do. Now, if you want to say, well, missing the play-in and getting the 11 seed isn't a fireable offense, I'm willing to live with you on that. I think that there's numerous things Tibbs have shown that the front office needs to talk to him about. But if you want to bring him back yeah. next year, um, you know, and, and, and force him to play with play the kids more, and I think he's been better when he's done that, I think that can work. But um, am I going to put this on the front office? No, because I think overall they've still done a pretty good job. They've found value where there is to be had. And if the criticism is Worldwide West hasn't gotten us Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker yet, I just don't think that deal has been out there. Mm. The Knicks have had, you know, some volatile personalities and players over the years. Um, there's J.R. Smith. There's John Starks. Um, I mean, I, I could go on and on about about that, but I have never. I, I want to switch down to talking about Randall. I know we've talked about him a lot, but it doesn't seem like this story ever ends, or at, at least. You know, it's like the ocean; just it keeps way more waves coming in. And Randall had a a bad um, little two game span where, at the end of the Utah game, he has this quizzical beef with Gobert that he immediately denies in the press conference that there was anything there at all. Um, or I don't know if it was a press conference. Yeah, it was a press conference. And then in the Chicago game, um, everyone by now has seen the Zapruder film of Randall throwing the ball behind his back and then leaving the floor. Um, I'm not here to like break down Randall's game or Randall's whatever anymore, but I'm just curious if you can remember on the Knicks or on any team in sports, I can't remember the last time I saw a player who was not a star, like rise so inexplicably to such a level and then fall inexplicably to such a level. Certainly with the Knicks, I cannot think of, Maybe I'm maybe I'm overlooking someone obvious, but I can't. I don't think I've ever seen this before. And the weekend, the Sunday Monday thing just made it work. I, I'm so there has been, and I'm with you. Like I'm not going to pretend that I know what's going on. And uh, I think his name is Chris Persenian. Um Wait, hold on. His I will I will find it. his name is phonetically in his bio. Yeah, it's like. Percy Einan. Percy Einan. Okay, so Chris Percy Einan. Um, I had never heard this, and I don't know if he was being rhetorical or had seen something, but um, he was debating someone else about about Randall and about something about Randall and made mention of, like, I guess in his opinion, he thinks Randall is demonstrating, he said, like, mental health ticks. I think that was the expression that he used. I can't go there. I'm not going there. It reinforces to me how little we know about what's going on. Like, nobody has an answer. This isn't, well, he tore his ACL. That's why he's struggling. Or, it's not even he has the yips, right? <laughs> like, so that when you earlier, I was thinking about the yips earlier, not in a physical sense, but when you made the description of, like, of um, Randall, and you see it, the difference this year in his passing, where last year... You know, there was. A... I think that, first of all, I would say that was the last few games. 
overall this year, I think his passing has been similar to last year. It's just the windows aren't as big because teams don't have to worry about his shooting. But sorry, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I, I felt since the Atlanta series that something got into. Let me rephrase this. In the Atlanta series, it was clear that the defensive game plan was designed to fluster him and flustered him. And I think this offseason, I think this season, a lot of teams have, you know, worked off of the Atlanta model and, and evolved it. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I'm repeating shit we've already said. I just, I his energy this season increasingly grows. I, I, I even even a couple months ago, I would have told you like, there's no way I would trade. I wouldn't want to trade Randall, even though he's struggling, like, because there could be an explanation and he could bounce back. And like, if we know the guy had stress two years ago, trying to live up to <coughs> that contract, it would make sense that he might be putting even more pressure on himself to live under what he's now stepped into. But um, I just as a fan, I am tired this season of seeing Julius Randle so negative. I'm not saying anything about him and his right to his feeling or his actions. I don't know anything. Just as a fan, like when the beef started with Gobert, I'm just so... Randle has become like the family member that I don't want to go out in public with anymore because something's going to happen at some point and I'm just tired of trying to explain it or justify it or accept it or understand it. I'm just tired of it. I don't know if you just emotionally as a fan, like, has Randall, how how do you feel? Just emotionally, not objectively, like, is he worth his salary? Can you build around him on offense? Just emotionally, the process of watching how this season has been for him, where do you find yourself now with Randall? Yeah, so this isn't going to be a direct answer. Apologize in in advance, but... Uh, I have a story. <laughs> okay. Um, this reminds me of a story. So a few years ago when I was in my early 20s, I played in a South Asian basketball league in Connecticut. Huh? Um, and um, so it was fun. It was during the summer. But um, I was on one of the free Asian teams. So like there were a lot of teams that were friends who played together. And my team was like guys who want, were interested in just, you know, the – the, the leftovers, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was the only real ball handler on that team. So I used to have the ball in my hands a lot. And um, I'm not the greatest shooter. I'm pretty good at getting the rim. I'm a pretty good passer, and I'm a good defender. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm good when I have other players on my team. But that team, I had the ball in my hands so much. And I used to try to lead the team, and I was getting really frustrated. And there was one game, we, and so early on in the season, we were just getting blown out a lot. And there was one game we were getting blown out and there were a couple of there were like a lot of people used to talk shit and you know they would stay after and before games and there was one player in particular i had gone to head to head with and we'd lost a close game and he like we were down big and like we called timeout and this guy was shit talking us from the sidelines and yelling or like laughing and i started yelling at him like what do you want something what do you want like let's go or something right and this other guy on my team was like man shut up like at me he was just like, just give it up. Like, we're fucking down 40 points or 30 points. Like, what are you doing? Right. And that was eye-opening to me. And, like, so I think that that made me get a little more serious. I'm not saying, like, for me, at least, that was a turnaround the season. We played a little more seriously. We won a couple games. Like, we we still lost the playoffs. We didn't do that well. But we won, We we played better the rest of the game year out, more as a team. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I think like with Randall, that's what it is. Like there's times when like when someone goes to gets in a fight with someone else, you know, on your team, you're like, how like I got your back. Like last year when Randall, you know, against the Nets, you know, like he got called for a foul or, you know, he got called for that up and down. Yes. That might have been reasonably on him. All of New York was had his back, right? Because you've been killing it for us all year. Mm-hmm. And now when it's like you're not doing like Play your best, do well, win, then talk shit, then worry about this stuff. And he hasn't been doing that. That's the most like I don't care if you have you have a chip on your shoulder, but if you're not doing the work to earn that chip or to earn the right to speak on that, then no, it's useless to me. It's just you're just being a baby. You're mm-hmm. whining, mm-hmm. Um, just like I was probably when that dude was talking shit to me, and like I should have been focused more on on helping my team. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that, that my teammate was like, no, shut up. Like, it's not important. Um, so where am I at emotionally with Randall? I actually, I feel pity more than anything else. Like, I feel bad that people are chanting Obi Toppin. It must be rough going from the guy that he had MVP chance last year. Now he's getting booze when he gets introed. Mm-hmm. But you, that, that is, you have to get back on defense. I'm sorry. You, you can't jog back on defense. You don't want to get played as many minutes. Tell Tibbs. And if it's and I blame Tibbs for that, but it doesn't excuse Randall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I blame Tibbs for playing him too many minutes. It doesn't excuse Randall. Um, you can't jog back on defense. You cannot just simply blow off rotations. Um, it, like if he if he tried on defense, even some of the most excruciating offensive possessions where he just dribbles to nowhere and throws it up, and it's still better than his first year here. I will say that. Yes. But marginally so. Yes. Even that would be palatable if he gave a shit on defense. And he doesn't. So um, emotionally, where am I, am I at? I, In a perfect world, I would love to see him fix this. I would love to see him figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see him be a part. Because he did give us a lot last year. I think he is a good person. I don't like... I would not like to see a messy divorce with him. Because I don't think it's a situation like KP where he's been... A malevolent. I don't even think he's been a bad locker room guy. The guy seemed to really like him. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him figure it out, but it's such right now the way they play on the floor with him out there versus with Obi out there or without him out there. Period. It's just so much less fun. Yes. Um, and he's playing with less. I think he might need a break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe he would get that. Maybe he'd play with a different energy. Like he seemed to be energized by playing with Tibbs last year. Maybe now he needs a new coach. Now, if you need a new coach every year to energize your star, that's yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. But the big difference that I keep coming back to, so I'm trying not to be emotional about it. And emotionally, I'm just sad. And right. like we had a guy that brought us back, and it's not even about like you know it's someone letting you down, right? That's not how I feel. It's just like I wanted this for him. I wanted him to be a mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. of this next era of the Knicks. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So that that really just makes me sad. Um, in terms of the non-emotional what to do going forward, do I buy that he can be what he was last year or even a guy worth his contract? I mean, look at the rest of his career. Last year was a cre- – this is – despite the fact that he shot like shit, this is the, I think, third best shooting percentage career year of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that out of line. He's not a good shooter. And that that's – and if he was just not a good shooter, but he was a great finisher, he's a great role man, he could pass, and he added value on defense, that'd be okay. But right now, his role should be something like Andre Drummond. 
that's probably what his ideal role should be. Um, and there's little reason to believe, given the evidence we have, that he can be a lot more than that. Um, and you're really, if you ask me to believe that, you're asking me to believe that the issues we've seen with motor are going to go away. Mm-hmm. The issues we've seen with, um, yeah, that's really what you're telling me. You're, you're, you're telling me that he's at least an average, league average three-point shooter. And like whatever reason this year he hasn't been. Mm-hmm. And the issues with motor on defense are going to go away. If you told me that, I could live with it. Um and maybe it is. I, I I think I don't know what Chris's intel is. I don't want to mm-hmm. rip what his intel is. Um, I think personally, if the Knicks front office wants to make that judgment that this was an anomaly, that's fine. Um, but it's not like this is the only year he's played like this. This is actually more in line with his career. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. Um, emotionally, I'm in just sad that it didn't work out, and unemotionally, I think that. This is probably closer to the real Julius Randle than what we saw last year. I think bigger than, you know, any free agents that the Knicks sign, maybe even bigger than, well, I think the biggest thing the Knicks need this offseason is they need Thibodeau and Randle to ask and answer tough questions about themselves. Um, I think both of them, you know, have really struggled after one season of success. And I they, they have both had such blind spots i think this season that i think that means as much as anything i think randall could recover i think if 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 randall next season like could i see randall next season shooting 36 percent from three i definitely could um and could thibodeau you know learn something from this season spend the offseason obsessing about what went wrong and learn yeah i think he could um Having said that, I'm gonna I'm gonna close by I was very inspired by your your adult sports story, and I'm gonna tell you one of my own that just I think exemplifies the kind of fool that I have to be to constantly be like thinking that this team is on the verge of turning it around. I don't think I've told this story on this pod. I know I've written it, um, but when I was probably about your age, um, I can't believe I'm old enough to say that. But when I was in my mid twenties, I played in a baseball league. That's younger than my age, by the way. Is it? Okay. I feel better than 32. Okay. Oh, I'll take that. Okay. Okay. Um, You're still young enough to refer to your early 20s as a few years ago, and I am not. Um, (laughs) I'll say that. So in my mid-20s, there was a a wood bat league, and I loved baseball, and so and I played a lot when I was young. So um, I I was on a team like yours. We we formed late enough that – enough of us just enough of us weren't on a team or they were looking for like one more team but we didn't know each other we were all basically strangers um got thrown together very late and at that point i hadn't played baseball in about 10 years so i was you know i really wanted to see like do i still have i was a good player um i wanted to see how it would go and first couple games you know i was adjusting but then and it was just like you said we were terrible um like we were getting killed especially early on. And like, we literally, <laughs> we had a guy, if you know baseball, this will be funny. We had a guy on first, our pitcher, uh, three and two, two outs. And I'm just expecting like, he's going to run because that's what you do when there's three and two and two outs. And our hitter fouls the ball off and the pitcher doesn't run. So I yell at him on the dugout. I'm like, John, three and two, two outs. Right? And he like nods. So I'm like, okay, he got it. And the very next pitch, once again, like he doesn't go. 
And then we had a guy who got on base, stole second base, assumed he had been called out, so just started, like, walking back to the dugout and got, like, tight. Like, it was not a good team. It was not a good team. <clears throat> and I had always played on winning teams, and, like, that's all I ever cared about was, like, I just, I just want to win. So one game we are losing 15 to nothing. It's, like, 94 degrees in July. And my team seems fairly content with like how things are going, and I'm it's it's driving me nuts. I don't mind losing to someone who's more talented, but like you have to try your best. Like you have to try your best. You cannot be content with this. So I I just decided at a point like no matter what, I'm not getting shut out. Like we're not getting shut out. So my next at bat, I hit a double. Um, I got to third on a sacrifice fly. So now I'm on third. There's one out. And our next hitter, our cleanup hitter, hits a fly ball to shallow right field. Now, when I was a kid, I had good speed. Um, By my mid-20s, that was long, long, long gone. And the third base coach is telling me, like, it's too shallow. Like, just stay where you are. But I wasn't going to have it. Like, I was just going to – I was going to make this happen. And as soon as the guy caught it, I take off from third, and I am running, like, as fast as I have probably in 10 years. and the ball gets to the plate like like 10 feet before i do and i try to like you know you it was a league it was a no collision league so i had to try to like jump around the catcher who ends up tagging me and knocking me off balance so that i break my ankle and i get up with a broken ankle and i am like i'm embarrassed because i got thrown out i'm concerned because my ankle is clearly broken and i'm hopping to the dugout assuming that like my teammates will come out and like how nobody fucking moved nobody did anything they all went in the field to play defense i had to yell at the manager i'm like i can't move like i can't play second base they just want both teams to have fun man (laughs) so when i hear myself saying to you i think julius randall can turn it around and i think tom thibodeau can adapt and i think like sure like i realize that that's the same brain that was like you can make this from third. Like you, you can totally <laughs> make it. Um, so I don't know. We will see. Uh, I w- I want them both to like. I, I think there's people that probably hated Tibbs or hated Randall. Or certainly do now. I wouldn't say that. Uh, I'm disappointed. Um, yeah. In some ways, I'm more disappointed in Tibbs. I guess. Yeah. Because Tibbs has the ultimate control. Um, I don't like that. I I don't like hearing people say we don't have a point guard. Sorry. I've been on that boat that quickly has been that guy all year. I think it's only the last six weeks that it's now that he's shooting well. But that's the thing. The only difference, what I'll say is this. This might be the hottest take of the night. The only difference between how quickly he's playing now versus early in the year is that the shots are going down. His process has been better all year. His defense yes. has been really good. Yes. He's been a much better playmaker. The point guard stuff was not the issue. The issue was that he was missing wide open shots, and now he's not. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you know anything about his career, that was something that it's easy to believe that's an anomaly. This is the point with Randall, right? Like, you know, some players, when their track record is one way and they are bad for some time, yep. you can expect a reversion to the mean. Yep. When the opposite ham- happens, you can expect an opposite reversion. Mm-hmm. So what pisses me off about Tibbs is that like our young players have just like there's so many every single young player, and this is what drives me crazy is that Grimes isn't playing. Well, he's probably not ready. He's a rookie. He was a 25 pick. All of a sudden, he comes in 
kills it because Tibbs has no choice. Oh, well, he needed to wait. He needed to wait his turn and get adjusted. And what a great job Tibbs did with development, right? Yeah. Um, McBride didn't play, had 15 points and nine assists in COVID in December. Then went right back to the bench. Now it started to play. It's the same thing with like, well, yeah, like Tibbs, look at his job as development. He's done such a good job, right? It, it had, it, there is no way, absolutely no fathomable way Deuce could have added something when the Knicks were giving up 30 points to complete scrubs off the bench, blowing 20-point leads mm-hmm. when their perimeter defense was a sieve, mm-hmm. right? No, Deuce wasn't ready, apparently, until everyone else was injured, of course. Then, coincidentally, magically happened to be ready. Uh, Sims, same thing. I'm not saying Sims is a better player even now than Nerlens Noel is healthy. Nerlens Noel has not been healthy all year. Taj, for large parts of the year, hasn't been healthy. Mitch was out of shape. You're telling me that you couldn't, and like that's the thing. You don't have to play the same ten guys every night. Um, and it's, but it's just it, it's it. It is infuriating to me that even after the like when the young guys play well, Tibbs has developed them and timed them that the right way. And even though it's just kind of the only reason they're getting time now is because of injuries. When they don't play well or in like five minutes, it's well. See, this is why we have to play the vets. And, and like, that's why every reporter always asks Tibbs, well, at what point do you want to start playing the young guys instead of going for the play-in or going for wins? I was like, the way to go for wins was to play the young guys more, not to bench the vets, but to not play the vets 36 minutes and to try a couple of the guys who, when your weakness was perimeter defense, instead of crying that we lost Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock, however good you thought they were on perimeter defense, the, the, the front office gave you great players on, on perimeter defense. He didn't play them. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of crying that Nerlens Noel was injured, the front office gave you a 6'10 guy who can switch and jump 10 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't even go to it. Um, and it's not just to try something, because when you have been forced to try it, it's worked. So you can't just tell me that like you don't know and you don't watch them in practice. I watch them in the games and we're even forced to play them. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like it's it's very frustrating I think that when he has been forced to play them, he's actually done a good job of tailoring how the offense yeah. plays and the defense plays to their advantage. Like he knows, he knows ball. It's just he has shitty evaluation a lot of the time, and it's it, I don't know what to do with him. And um, I feel a little bit co- more confident saying that what I thought before last year, and that's that Randall is probably best suited as a sixth man energy guy. Hmm. Um, who can just go off against bench defenses, but isn't the, the guy on a championship team. So it's always good to end on a positive. So I'm going to end with a positive that I've realized. So then I thought was a negative, but I think it's actually turned into a good thing. When I started watching the Knicks in the nineties, let me ask you um, what your thoughts are. When you think of the nineties Knicks, who comes to mind to you as the leaders of those teams? Oh, Pat. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ewing, Oakley, Starks, um, trying to I guess like Harper didn't play that many years, but the first Harper year I really started watching, yeah, the first year I started watching the Knicks, he was their point guard, mm-hmm. so I'll put Harper in there. Okay, uh, I want to say Charlie Ward just because he was the point guard for a lot later of on, certainly, yeah, 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 yeah. So those would be the guys I would okay. make. Okay, 2013 Knicks, who were the leaders on that team? I have to say, Mello, um. I would say Melo. So you mean the, the team that made the playoffs, so 2012, 2013. I'm not correcting. The good one. Yeah, the good one. 2012, yeah. 13. <laughs> the good one. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Chandler, obviously, uh, defensive quarterback, as well as you know, just seemed to be the loudest voice in the room. So I'd say Mello, Chandler, obviously Kid, mm-hmm. uh, Pablo. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, that's those are the guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. On this team, who are the leaders? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> so I have Taj. lamented for a while, like, I don't think there is any, but... I will say this. I would say Taj, yeah. I think Taj, but I think one I think a positive from this season, and I don't like how it happened, but sometimes good things come from bad things. I think RJ has shown like clear leadership skills and a desire to be that person. And I think quickly has shown that too. Um obviously we only see what we see, but the other game when you saw quickly um With the iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah drawing and, and just you can just I don't know, if you watch the team every night, you can see personalities and energies and vibes evolve and i feel good because i feel like it's been a while the knicks have had you know some really great players in the years but i feel like it's been a while since the knicks had um people that were players in particular because i think that matters the most um players who were like who seemed like leaders and seemed like leaders that you can trust and for rj to be there at 21 and quickly is how old 23 22 I think it's 22. Yeah. And I think that I think there's awesome. probably been a lot of players that have tried to fill the vocal part of that. Yeah. But the Knicks have a lot of players who talk the talk and walk the walk. One thing I did not say, uh, and I should, uh, just to be fair, because I, I know a lot of people will talk about this. Arj's defense was putrid tonight. Mm. I'm just going to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been bad all season. Um, mm-hmm. Last season, I mean, he, there's been a flashes. He had a couple, he had a nice game against John Morant. Yes. Um, but for the most part, last season we were regularly seeing him take on matchups like Devin Booker, Kawhi Leonard, um, guys like that, and really doing well. It just, it, if you, I think Derek Reifer, and I'm sorry if it's Reifer, Reifer, I uh, apologize, Derek, if you're listening to this, but he posted a graph of uh, RJ's defensive DPM, Darko DPM, and it was a sharp upward trajectory until last year, and it's just been down this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, you can see IQ, RJ, walk the walk and talk the talk, right? So it's not like if when Randall tries to lead, but then he's not getting back on defense. Yeah. You know, like how much leadership can you show? Um, whereas, you know, RJ for for his credit, RJ has made a lot of mistakes on defense. I don't think he's been lazy on defense. Um IQ has made very few mistakes on defense. But or even or offense, like, oh, he never turns the ball over. He's been much better about that late. Um, and Obi, Obi, like that's that's the biggest difference. It's like, I'll, I'll say this too. Like I was thinking about Obi versus Randall today, and a lot of people are like they can't play the same. They play the same position, but it's extraordinary how opposite they are as players. What like what is Randall is better is a better player. I'm not arguing that he isn't. Randall's a better ball handler. He's stronger. Mm-hmm. And he's better at hitting tough shots. Mm-hmm. Obi is better at moving without the ball. He's better at getting vertical. Uh, he's a better passer. He's a better quick decision passer, right? Randall, because he draws so much attention, is better at like making the crazy pass. Yeah. But Obi makes a lot of quick decisions, and he makes like he's just he is more of that kind of a passer. Um, and he moves more, right? Mm-hmm. And then on defense, Randall is better at switching, and he's more athletic. But Obi is less likely to take plays off, and he's better. He's longer, right? Because, so he's longer, and he can jump higher, so he's better at the rim. 
So they're like very so like that's the thing, right? If you want to run an offense through a player, Randall is the better player. If you want to have a guy switch everything, Randall is the better defender. But as part of a team concept, Obi does everything else better by a lot. Um, and um, and I think that on this team, that's going to mean more in terms of leadership. Mm-hmm. Do I think the lack of leadership has been what's played with this team? No. Um, because I think tips provide that. I think Todd just provides that. I think also you just have a group of the young guys are very much locked in and the older guys are professionals. Like the closest we had was Fournier making a couple of, you know, maybe questionable comments about Tibbs, but I don't think lack of professionalism has ever been a question with this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but it's notable, right? And to your point, yeah, like I think the young guys, and the young guys, like all of them seem to be high level work ethic guys who are locked in leave live breathe and eat live live eat breathe sleep basketball live i guess you don't need to say so eat breathe sleep basketball whatever you want to call it um like those are like grimes iq mcbride rj they're all guys that you know are going to go like balls to the wall for 48 minutes sims um by the way i don't think cam has had this reputation but being in that environment i've seen that from cam too so um, I think that's the future of the team. Um, and I think if Randall can be a part of that, I think he's very capable of adding a great amount of skill that those guys don't have. But if he can't, he can't. The Knicks play again this weekend on Saturday. Saturday at matinee. They're hosting Cleveland at 1, and then uh, Sunday at 6 p.m. they're in Orlando. They could be eliminated by uh, Saturday as long as the Hawks win before then. But um, even if the Knicks are no longer in contention, you're going to want to tune into the games to see R.J. Barrett's somewhat shameless pursuit of the 20-point-per-game average that he is currently achieving. Sorry, if R.J. was not like our golden prince, some of these late game, like he is taking the ball and going 94 feet in garbage time for buckets, like if it was anybody but R.J., I know people would have something to say, but if Randall was trying to get to 20 a game doing that shit, RJ's done it the last couple of losses, and it is obvious. Um, I love you, RJ. I'm not telling you to stop. I'm just telling you someone might stop you one of these days. Um, But yeah, so two games this weekend. We will surely um, reconvene with you around that time. After that, there's only three more games this year. Um, Everything is really winding down pretty quickly, so we'll get into a lot of late-season stuff and start doing some more forward-looking stuff with the draft and the off-season. Um, so again, for Stacy Patton, Matthew Miranda, thank you for being with us, and we will see you again in a few days. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.